This week on the show, we talk with Jacob Reed, Formula E Race at Home Challenge participant and part of Driller's Esports about the Challenge series. Driller's Esports and what he is currently racing in. You can find him on Twitter at JacobReed66. All right, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. I'm your host, Dino, and joining me this week, we have a special guest, Jacob Reed, Formula E Race at Home Challenge participant and part of Drillers Esports. Hello, good evening. Hi. How are you doing? Good, good. Good. Good, good weekend uh, in Race at Home and also in a couple of other events I've been doing. Uh, awesome. So yeah, it's going good. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. And we also have uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Chris is also with us. Hello. Hello. How are you? How is everyone? Yeah, hopefully hopefully everyone out there is well. And um, if they're still in their bubble, <laughs> they're um, happy enough. We hope that this brings you a little bit of happiness as well, because it does for us recording. So Every time. Every time. Big grins everywhere. Cheesy faces. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we should do a video show one time just so people can see how much fun we're having. But uh, I know, think I that comes through in that. our voices. It would be incredibly fun. I might have to change my background. I need like one of those <laughs> Nissan E dams, here are our partners kind of things. But mine will nah, be. because it sort of it chops off their hands and their nose looks really funny. I don't like it, to be honest. No, it's. It's a good one, isn't it? You know, Sebastian Buemi looks very 2D. It does. He does. Yeah. Have you seen it, Jacob? Yeah, yeah. And like when they're driving, like the wheel keeps popping in and out. <laughs> it, it doesn't look too good. They should just stick some stickers on the wall or something. Yeah, yeah. I think they should do what uh, James Collado does. He's got the got the actual board in the background, which is quite cool. Yeah, Collado yeah. knows. Yeah, I think that's what yes. they did in NASCAR and IndyCar stuff. It just had a board behind them and with all the sponsors on. Mm, yep, I think that definitely is the way to go. But uh, we will move into Media of the Week. Um, and we'll start with you, Chris. Do you have a Media of the Week for us? I do have a Media of the Week, and I know what it is for the first time in forever. Uh, it's not Frozen, to, to quote the uh, classic film that I just quoted, but it is, um, what's it called? Blood and Treasure. <laughs> it's a TV show called Blood and Treasure, and it's on a TV channel called Sci-Fi, and it's really good. It's about a archaeologist slash legal man slash former FBI agent and a master thief uh, trying to track down the tomb of Cleopatra and Mark Antony uh, before a terrorist discovers it. It sounds incredibly random, but it's actually really good. There are 13 episodes, one series, and yeah, I can't emphasize how great this is. It's very, very funny. Uh, well, it's not just funny, it's, it, it's hilarious in parts, but it's just exciting. It's a bit of escapism, isn't it? It's like a, you know, it, it pokes a bit of fun at Indiana Jones. It's just good. It's really fun. Just check it out. That, that's my 
nomination, be it worthy. So, yeah. Brilliant. I will put that in the show notes. My media of the week. I was going to go with something, but I'll save it. It's um, I, I do have two media of the week. So I've been watching um, Bradley and Barney Walsh's new show, Breaking Dad, but I'll talk about that next time. The Purple Sector. It's a new YouTube channel about Formula One, Formula E, and Formula Two and Three. Uh, they go in depth about the series from the drivers to the circuits, everything in between. So if you fancy finding out about any series, chatting about current events and having a bit of fun along the way, make sure to check them out on YouTube and follow their socials. And then remember the purple sector, be fast or be last link is in the show notes. I really love that. Be fast or be last. That was, that was classic. Be fast or be last. It's good. Maximum mile. Yeah, maximum uh yeah perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is it, it's a new channel so um go and have a have a look check it out and support that sounds good okay now the spicy news we're gonna move into some spicy news this morning slash this evening wherever you are daniel apt fined for having a sim racer race for him in round five of the formula e race at home challenge now i I was going to sing his praises heavily as he was driving great. Uh, he seemed to have adapted a new style, a little bit of drift around the corners, and <laughs> and um, he was getting absolute praise from the commentary team. Jack Nichols was thinking, and Dario Franchitti were, oh, you know, he's, he's found something here. But unfortunately, he finds himself in disgrace, and it's not a good look. Um, and a bit immature, especially because it's for charity, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was watching it, and Daniel Apt was very slow in the first four races, and I was watching uh, the eSports at the weekend, and I was thinking, oh my God, just like you've said, you know, a new style. Some may say he was a new man, and indeed he was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a mess, isn't it? It's it's for charity, it's for eSports, and it's eSports at the end of the day. <sighs> was it really worth the risk? He was always going to get caught, that's a thing. And he was called out for it straight after the race. It's honestly, I can't understand how he was so stupid to do it. It is, I mean, we've seen the controversy in esports. We've seen Simon Pagano and Santino Ferrucci at it, Bubba Wallace in NASCAR, Kyle Larson using questionable language. But this really takes the biscuit, doesn't it? It's, it does. I honestly can't explain how ridiculous this is. It's that I'm lost for words thinking about it. And I remember the, as soon as Van Dorn called him out on it, I thought, wow, that's quite serious. I read through the rules and regulations somewhere online. I've got no idea where I found them, but that's very against what the series is. And it's for charity. It's a charity series. And just what was he thinking? He's, Disgraced himself. He's brought Audi into dispute. He's embarrassed their partners. It's just, <laughs> it, it's absolutely, it's childish behaviour, unfortunately, and it's the only way you can describe it. Really, it's, um, yeah, that's my stance. It's a mess. What was he doing? It is. Um, I'll come to you, Jacob, because I thought to myself. How can someone get that good and have such a different driving style? Can you can you just get on uh, a simulator for a week and and find something like that? Is that ever going to happen in the sim world? Uh, I think it can. 
Like they're real drivers with a lot of experience driving real cars or plenty different types of cars. And it just t- kind of takes, you know, you see the rookies into, you know, Formula One and Formula Two. It takes them a while to get up to speed. And it's probably the same on the simulator. It's just a different car. And it's kind of close to the real thing. There's a little bit different uh, kind of how it works. That's always just going to be the case with the simulator. It's not going to be perfect. And you, know, you can see Van Dorn, Fairline, they've got really close to the top. I think Van Dorn's pole-up would have put him P2 in the challenge grid. So they're really fast at the top, and they've got used to it. And Apt you know, could have done that. I when I watched the race, I was like, wow, that's, you know, maybe just put the hours in this week. He said that he doesn't really have the time to do that, but, you know, this week might have been different. Obviously not. Now we know what happened. But, yeah, he could have put those hours in and just watched other people's laps. You know, we share the testing server. So, you know, I often am on the testing server with Van Dorn and Verlein, and they're actually now my benchmark because they've gone really, really fast, and they're almost up with Kevin Siggy, like I just said. So they're my benchmark. If I'm a tenth of them, then I'm like, yeah, I've done a good job here. Whereas on week one, I was like, I've got to be faster than these guys. So yeah, yeah, could have done it. Wow. But obviously not. No, no. I was going to say, because and I thought it might have been a bit plausible because we know that he's pretty mega around Tempelhof, his home race, um, and a couple of years back he absolutely dominated. Um, so we know he's good at the track, and um, yeah, I thought potentially, but yeah, now that we know, not great, not great. Um, we'll move away from that for a second um, and go into something from the race. Uh, Formula E drivers struggling with extremely unhealthy rule. Um, and this one, Eduardo Mortara speaking out about a number of um, Formula E drivers. He's among a number of them, um, jeopardizing their health to fit in with the championship's weight rules. Now, I can remember that uh, Jean-Éric Verne almost passing out um, because Jean-Éric Verne is a unit. He is a beast of a guy. <laughs> um, and for him to get down to the weight requirements of Formula One back in the day in Toro Rosso, um, yeah, he, he, you know, amazing work from him, but it just, it obviously has been taking the toll on the drivers. Chris, you might be a bit more up with this one, um, especially because you, you follow Formula E a bit more closely, you're a bit more on the pulse. The 900 kg minimum, including the driver, how badly is that affecting the Formula E drivers? I mean, quite honestly, um, it isn't really a, an area that I'd initially thought of until I actually read this uh, piece by Sam Smith, I think it was. Uh, you know, great writing as always. And yeah, it's, it's always been present in motorsport, hasn't it? The the whole uh, weight requirement. I remember back in Formula One, there was Mark Webber, who was an absolute unit, as uh, you would describe him, Dino. And yep. There was always that concern, and just to talk of another Formula E driver who was unfortunately, um, you know, short-lived was Jaime Alguersuari. Uh, Jaime Alguersuari was diabetic, and I believe he passed out after a race uh, because he was so unwell trying to adhere to weight requirements, and actually packed in motorsport. But in Formula E, there are quite a few drivers who are, you know, they're big guys. Um, 
Andre Lotterer, Sean Rickfern, Eduardo Mortara, as this article says, Oliver Rowland even, Oliver Rowland's a big guy as well. And, mm, yeah. you know, they're, they're having to adopt these extreme diets to add, you know, to fit within these rules and regulations. And it's, it's actually obscene um, that a driver should have to do that. I mean, obviously, racing drivers are, you know, very finely tuned athletes. They have to eat certain things and train certain things to be able to drive the cars and cope with the G-forces. But as soon as they have to skip meals uh, to be within the weight requirements on race day, that's it's worrying because it just complicates their health. And, I mean, something should be done about that, really, because... You know, there's a big, a big focus on safety in motorsport, um, safety on the track, uh, safety in the car. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a key thing in Formula One, Formula E, Formula Two, every championship, uh, not just single seaters. Everyone has to stay safe, and there's a massive emphasis on keeping the cars safe, making the tracks safe. But as soon as the drivers aren't safe, adopting these extreme lifestyles and diets. It's questionable because drivers aren't indestructible, let's face it. Um, we think they are, but they're, they're really not. And that's the reality. And, you know, they can. everybody thinks that the danger comes from the track, but the reality is they can be extremely unwell trying to even get on the track legally uh, to adhere to certain rules and regs. And it's obscene. Um you know, for that to for the size of a driver to, you know, bring into an element of performance and change weight distribution in the car so it's faster in corners, it's incredible. It's an entire different area of motorsport that's very rarely touched on. You know how the weight a high dipper driver can actually change the performance of the car, but it, it's. <laughs> They shouldn't have to adopt these extreme lifestyles because, I mean, I remember reading through this Motara piece here and I was absolutely shocked as to what he was having to do and no driver should have to do that. It isn't healthy. It's not healthy at all. No, no. I just want to point out a couple of quotes. In the end, what is disturbing me quite a lot with having no weight rules like in Formula E is that you should not be able to get an advantage with the driver's with the human side, let's say, you should try to make the difference with the technology. If you build like a better powertrain, more efficient, this is really what Formula E should be. You shouldn't get an advantage by choosing a driver that is heavier or lighter. So it's obviously a little bit harder for someone like Mortara than, mm-hmm. say, a Sam Bird. Um, so, you know. Hats off to Mortara. He's doing a great job in the series and um, for Venturi as well. So, yeah. Any Anything further from that, guys? Did I read somewhere, I think it was separate, but kind of came out at the same time, that an uh, unnamed driver said that they were getting fined for every kilo that they made them overweight or something like that? Yeah. I've read something like yeah. this, and I don't know where I've read it. Yeah, I think it, I think it was just a tweet that kind of like, or maybe might have been by the race as well that they just kind of tweeted out as well. But yeah, I did read that, and that that's that makes it even worse. Yeah, I think that could potentially be in Formula One, uh, a team in Formula One. 
it might have been. Yeah, um, obviously, um, uh, there's something else here. Audi Sport app Schaeffler driver Lucas DeGrassi shared more Tara's concerns, um, but broadly supports the 2021 implementations of the 80kg rule. I believe the 80kg driver rule will be good for everyone in terms of weight distribution, he told the race. So um, hopefully that will be a step in the right direction to um, actually make it more fair. So minimum 80 kilos, I think, is what's going on there. So uh, I think that's similar to what they have in Formula One at the moment, where it's the driver and the seat are weighed, and then any if you're under that weight, then the ballast goes where the seat is. So there's no advantage. You can't place that ballast anywhere. It's where the seat is. So there's no advantage by placing it, that extra ballast, where the car is in, in a certain point in the car. Nice, nice. So, uh, Jacob, Drillers Esports, we are obviously a proud sponsor of Drillers Esports. Um, and just wanted to come to you to chat about them, um, what they do, a uh, little bit about the organization and what series you're racing in, uh, just to give the listeners a bit of background. Um, and then also um, we might talk about the, the Formula E Race at Home Challenge a little bit more since you're right in the thick of it there. Yeah, so I race for drillers in the Formula Sim Racing Academy Championship. Uh, I doing okay. Seem to have some good race pace. Struggling in qualifying. That's kind of been where my focus has been to improve with that. Uh, I'm not yet racing with them in any other series, but uh, I am full time anyway. I am kind of if they ask me to and I'm available, then I'm definitely up to extending how much I'm driving for them. Uh, I raced for them in the SRL, SAL Racing League on Sunday uh, because Joey was unavailable to do it, another driver and team owner. Uh, so I just filled in for that uh, for the weekend while he couldn't do it. And yeah, so, so yeah, in... Formula Sim Racing, I've taken one win out of my only finish. Uh, had good race pace, struggling qualifying. That's kind of been where I've been focusing my effort now. Now I've seemed to have a good race pace no matter what I do. So just if you get further up the grid, then you're going to finish high generally. Uh, just getting the finishes down, not getting caught up in other people's accidents. I've been very unfortunate with my luck. Uh, had good luck in Estoril where I won and yeah hopefully Silverstone this weekend I have very good pace with really good setup by the other guys in the team uh, Jan Grankfest who makes the setup is absolute god at it I don't know how he does it but he did one today and I was one and a half seconds faster because I was just so much more comfortable with it than I have wow. been in the past like it's just amazing what you can do with that setup. I wish I had that skills. I know nothing. It's been very unfortunate when I've needed to because I kind of struggle with it. Uh, I, I know what I need to touch, but I don't know how much I need to touch it by and I end up just making it worse. Yeah. So it's just great having that team around you to kind of support you with that. And there's loads of us, I think, because we both race in, we all, have drivers in academy and the pro series and there's there must be 
probably eight of us racing each week. It's probably more, but not everybody races each week because they're unavailable. So just having so much feedback on everything is really helpful. And having a lot of people talking about what they're going to do in strategy can give you loads of ideas. And that's just that team is doing really well for a reason because of that. You know, we've won quite a few races uh, in both Academy and the Pro Series. And yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, I I saw the first race in the Academy Series and it was a 1-2-3 from Drillers. And I was thinking, oh, wow, you know, they're not going to stay there for long. Sure enough, the next race, they're up to the next series. (laughs) That was pretty cool to see, actually. Yeah, I think a couple of drivers were complaining a little bit because they dominated so much. <laughs> yeah, they they just were so fast. But, I mean, obviously good for regen because uh, most of the footage was of the cars up the front, so it's, uh, it's fine. It's good for us. Yeah, yeah. it's good for us, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's really cool. So um, with sim racing, one thing I wanted to ask was, can alternate tyre strategies work I, I've, I've seen it a couple of times where you don't qualify in the top 10 uh, you have to take the hard um, or the medium and can those sort of strategies work or you know the same as in real life or if, if you don't sort of get in the top 10 you don't start on the faster tyre you're pretty much done uh, it depends track by track and how you play your strategy because in Formula 7 racing there's 30 cars in Pro and Academy. So when you're in the top 10 and having been on that softer tire, it can mean that you can pit and not come out in traffic because you're pulling a gap on 20 cars usually that are on the medium or the hard. So you've probably pulled up a good gap if you're in the lead uh, and you've come out in clear air. So that's, that's kind of where that alternate tire strategy can go wrong simply just because there's loads of cars. But I think if you're P11, then it can work. But yeah, when there's one pit stop, maybe two, it does struggle because you lose that. The the people on the soft are going to have the undercut because they're going to pit before you. And that's kind of something that I consider because I was expecting to be miles off the pace in Silverstone. And I was like, well, how long can I take the softs? And I'll start on the mediums because I'm expecting to start maybe P15 at best. Luckily, with the great setup, I'm probably not probably going to be a bit, little bit further up than that. So, but yeah, so I was thinking, well, if I start on the mediums and pit before the guys on the softs and be able to take that soft tire a really long way into the race, then I've I've got the undercut and the better tire at the end of the race. I think that's where that t- alternate side try strategy can work in the sim compared to maybe in real life where it's a little bit different right right um we'll move on to race three and four of the formula e race at home challenge um um a few talking points how did maximilian gunther lose his lead of the championship just wanted to touch on that because he seemed to absolutely dominate the first couple of races but uh, as as we've seen uh, stoffel the rise of Pascal Verlein and some others just getting better and better. Oliver Rowland, obviously, uh, the winner last time out. Is it just that he's had a bit of a, a lead on them 
been a bit more experienced in the sim and, and now everyone's sort of getting to a stage where the competition is more fierce? Uh, I don't think so. I think Gunther just got lucky in the first two rounds that he didn't have much competition because Van Dorn was fast, Verlein was getting there, he was very probably round two, he was up there, but they just made mistakes, got unlucky, and that kind of handed the win to Gunther. That it, round three and four, they've Van Dorn and Verlein haven't made those mistakes and haven't got unlucky at turn one or on the first lap and they've just been able to take the race win because of that whereas Gunther has Yeah I think that's a fair assessment really Um, with Gunther I think in the test race he won comfortably, no one was going to beat him in the test race then in the season opener he was very uh, fortunate with the Van Dorn accident Um, but then of course in Electric Docks he did have Verlein right behind him as well, and I think Verlein would have overtaken him realistically if he hadn't have crashed. And since then, it's it's become a, a more competitive championship, I would say. I would describe it as, you know, up up until the fifth race, it had been a tale of two drivers. It was Gunther and Verlein, and Stoffel van Dorn was third comfortably because he, you know, likes barriers a lot. Hmm. And then in the, the most recent race, it was... Yeah, I, w- I would say Gunther has been in a more fortunate position. Uh, see, he, he had been doing the esports beforehand, and then when he did come to the Race at Home Challenge, he did have that clear advantage, I would say. Um, but it has become a more level playing field. And every time I see Gunther driving, it's... I think he's... Well... I think it's comes a bit of a shock to him. You know, after winning rounds one and two comfortably, getting those 50 points. In round three, um, which was the race in... Monaco. Monaco. Um, something happened. But yeah, and then again... Uh, yeah, sorry, ignore that. Uh, let's go back to Hong Kong part two. Um, you know, they need to use more tracks, don't they? <laughs> yes. Um, so the the second race in Hong Kong, let's say, I think that came as a bit of a shock to him. You know, he he was involved in that first corner accident, and then there he, he again made a mistake in turn three, I believe it was. And it was a driver who was stressed. I think he looked stressed. The way he was driving was stressed for sure. And I remember him like doing this three-point turn. It was like Austin Powers-esque, you know, against walls. He was hitting everyone. And he was just kind of clutching at straws, hanging on for dear life. And, you know, I think he... I think definitely the, the field has become more uh, competitive, for sure. But at the same time, I think Gunther is pushing um, certain things quite a lot. And it might not be working for him. And I think a more calm and calculated approach uh, could work wonders. Um, and of course there was the incident on the second lap uh, for the most recent race in Berlin and that wasn't his fault really, he was an innocent bystander but yeah, other drivers are rising, let's face it, Verline is on the pace, Van Dorn is on the pace Daniel Apt's uh, ringer is on the pace um, <laughs> so yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to, in my notes here, I've got how good were Apt, Roland and Stoffel on this track in qualifying. Well, <laughs> um, we, we know Apt likes it. And then, yeah, in brackets. Oh, okay. Um, so. <laughs> loves Berlin. He loves Berlin. Um, right. So uh, a couple of the talking points from round five. Uh, lots of biffo from Stoffel and Daniel Simracer pal. um yeah i I sort of i sort of thought to myself well if this had changed the outcome and you know put stoffel out of the race from all of the damage and stuff that was going on because they were having a right go at it um and of course i mean the the damage was not or or is it at the moment i think it's 20 percent or is it 80 percent it's 80 percent yeah 80% 80% of real damage. So, you know, it's it's going to get at least some damage from all of the hitting and, and backing into each other. And imagine that if Stoffel goes out with damage from the Sim Racer. It would have been a, a shock, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. If, oh God, the controversy would have been massive. Um, what oh, always oh, gets oh. me is, what I'm still confused about is how can a driver who wasn't participating be disqualified? Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's the big the big question, isn't it? It it should be in the book of like life's big questions. But yeah, had that happened, um, God, I would dread to think. It was just stupid from Apt, really, and I, I'm not sure who the the sim racer was who he um, did hire, but Lorenz Herzen. Yeah, even even then, I would love to know the thought process from his angle, because surely yeah. it damages his reputation and tarnishes his credibility. It's just a mess on all accounts, is it? If had he hit Van Dorn and DNF'd him, or severely damaged the car, you know that's essentially Van Dorn's championship, heavily damaged, uh, almost ruined. Because Verline has been very uh, quick recently, and he does have that. Um, buffer at the top but had that happened so many questions would have had to be raised and the the, the penalty for App probably would have been higher quite honestly I'd imagine so Max Millian Gunter being fed into the wall by Pascal Verline and uh, subsequently being turned around um, was it just a bit clumsy from Pascal or do you think it was sort of oh yeah another title rival in you go. Anyone want to answer? <laughs> um, I think... Oh, I don't know. I think it was a bit of a clutching at straws move. But it wasn't, was it? It was a... He got past. And good that it's been. I can't really remember the accident, if I'm honest. Um, my, my viewpoint is it was the second lap out of 15. You know, there's plenty of other places where you can make the moves. And yeah. later on as well. You don't have to go all or nothing, gung-ho, in the opening stint stages. And, and your thoughts on it, Jacob? I think it's been done in real life at the O'Connor. I think they said in commentary, I th- I'm pretty sure I remember, or at maybe might have been at Chile, a similar thing happened because yes, yeah. they have a similar corner. But it's a difficult one because you can see why Pascal would have done that and you can see why Gunther would have kept it around the outside and not backed out but it was kind of like 
well, Pascal has the racing line, and Gunther's on the outside, so Pascal kind of has the right to the corner, but Gunther probably kept it closer to the outside than close, closer kind of to his front wheel uh, than Pascal probably thought. So it's a, it's a difficult one, and they're both racing at the end of the day for a, a championship, so they're going to do that. And Gunther just came off worse, and he definitely had damage afterwards. You could just kind of see it in how he was driving, and you can see it on the car just about when you know what you're looking for. I know it's very difficult when you don't know, because I have seen a lot of complaints that, oh, the damage is not high enough, but you can see the car kind of cracks. That's how R-Factor 2 kind of shows you your damage. And you could definitely see that he had a lot of cracks on his car uh, just from how he was put in the wall. Mm. Um, so uh, finally, uh, a couple of races remaining in the Formula E Race at Home Challenge. Uh, what's your goal, Jacob, for the final two races of this season? I want a track I'm good at and that I could win. <laughs> that, that's my main goal. I think Monaco Sector 2, to, which was to back and the swimming pool chicanes, I was very fast. I think I was a 10th up in quality on Kevin Siggy, which I'm going to feed my ego with that for the rest of my life because Kevin Siggy <laughs> is very fast. Um, so that those kind of medium speed corners, not the drift to go fast hairpins. Uh, and kind of, you know, I was very fast at the electric truck circuit, which is very similar, you know, medium to high speed corners. I was surprised I was a bit off the pace at, Berlin wasn't quite where I wanted to be, but yeah, so there's room for improvement into the final two races, and I kind of just hope to, my goal is P5 in the championship, and I think a win in one of those races would definitely cement that. A podium in one of those races would definitely help. I don't know how many more races Josh Rogers is able to do, because he's also doing the Porsche Super Cup. Mm. ESO is, which is on at the same time. So I don't know how important the race schedule is for that and whether he can turn up. I assume he's going to be in the final because I don't imagine that clashes due to the final being on the Sunday. But if I can get a place in front of him, that would be very good, I think. Anything higher than that with the Peopev, who I think is in fourth now, I think that's impossible. But I think I can catch Van der Heide and I think I can catch Rogers, if he doesn't turn up, if he does, I don't think that's possible because he is probably the fastest guy. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be tough. But my goal is P five at the end of the standings because the grid for the final is sorted by the championship standings. So it's all down to the last race, winner takes all, and the higher you start, the better you can do. Oh, right. I didn't know that. So that's a good bit of information. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Jacob. It's been awesome to have you and no uh, a bit of a bit of good insight into uh, the sim racing. I had no idea about the cracks on the car because I couldn't see the damage. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, do you want to plug your socials where you can be found? I think just my twitter that you said at the start yep so at jacob reed 66 yep 
And we can be found on Twitter at Regen Racing, on Instagram at Regen E Racing Pod, and the website www.regenracingpodcast.com. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts, and thank you for continuing to do so. We appreciate the time you take to considering uh, the amount of Formula E and other awesome podcasts on offer. Um, shout out to Jawad from Hit the Apex uh, and also the guys from the Outlap F1 podcast. Uh, it is awesome to have those guys as friends as well. Um, so yeah, just wanted to thank them for all the support. And if you would like to donate to us for the show, it'll go towards the artwork and the cost of keeping the website up and running. You can do so uh, through the link in the show notes. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Great to be on, as always, chatting about Formula E and other things. All the things. Chatting about all the things. It's good to be back. Yeah. It is good to be back, yeah. Yep. Uh, Hopefully the the real racing will continue at some point. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm quite enjoying this. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, yeah. It's quite nice not having, you know, countless races on every flaming week. I mean, I, I'm a big NASCAR fan, and there's a race every day pretty much now in all the three series that they're oh, running. This is true. This is true. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I completely forgot NASCAR was back, quite honestly. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye.